Prologue. Destiny. I pray your death shall assure my destiny. He spoke softly, his prayer clasped fingertips inclined toward the ground. The blustering wind whipped and plumed his long, wild hair as he lifted his dark eyes to the sky. He prayed to be denied no longer. His darkly heart raced as the churning black clouds seemed to obey his whim, slowly moving across the blue to block the sun. He grinned as morning appeared as midnight. Sword from his scabbard, the young prince dug into the earth at his feet. Lowering his left hand to the earth, he scooped his fist full of gravel, which he sifted with his fingers. Grasping the choice remainder in his palm, he lifted it slowly, mindfully, to his chest. There, he held it over his beating heart. Around his right forefinger, he wore a mystical red ruby ring, named the Firestone by the Trollish clan. The size of a cat's eye, the red stone was faceted and clasped upon an outer ring, which revolved around an inner ring, revolving the faceted stone three times. The prince crushed his left fingers down into the dirt. With nearly the last of his purchased magic, he concentrated, imbuing the dirt with his deep and abundant avarice and evil. Crushing the dirt within his palm caused a crack of lightning to permeate the darkened sky above his head. Fulgurating white light twisted through the spaces between his fingers and shot into the ground. My creation, do my bidding, snarled the prince. Within the gates of the castle grounds, before a remote dwelling, a spot of red light the size of a man's fist flashed within the outlying brush beyond the window of the royal doctor. A melting, spinning mixture of sticks, frogs, and insects gathered on the spot and folded into a pulsating mound of mush, the height of a four-foot hill of dirt. It took quasi-human form. Swooping from the sky, a bird as black as coal landed on the being's newly formed burlap-clad shoulder. One by one, the bird's feathers painfully loosed its skin and fluttered away. Plaintively cawing, it began to flap, curling his bee-stung lips, sneering delightfully. The diminutive new creature rolled his black eyes beneath his heavy brow and shouted in a gruff, leaf-rattling tone, "'Have you lost your bird brain, Mr. Crahey?' Get off! He dropped the burlap cowl covering his head of black, scant, coarse hair. His eyes darting left to right, he placed his stubby, gnarled finger thoughtfully to the side of his irregular head. Flapping, the bird leapt above the creature's shoulders and hovered. Bind you, Jax. Reserve your treasury for the master's enemies. I have orders to watch you, yet you tried to kill me, the darkly raven murmured. Fool you are. I absorb life. You know that. All but one who touches me slowly dies. Now, leave me to my work. You need not watch. I am loyal to my master, and I am no laggard, he growled. Jax pointed to the sky and stomped his foot three times. Tomorrow, he grinned. Storm clouds shall gather within the Orphic forest to complete the deal. Peering at the horse cart parked along the yard fence, he tilted his head. The diminutive monster quickly slipped beneath the trailer. 
Welcome back to Conversations with the Authors. I'm your host, Daniel Troop. I'm Daryl. I'm Sandra Joe. What you've just heard is a riveting and amazingly inventive and imaginary telling of the prologue of the How Nicholas Became Santa Claus, which is now in its third edition by Ewing's Publishing. Um, Daryl, Sandy, wow. Oh, just wow. Uh, we've got, uh, okay, so we've got an evil prince, it looks like. We've got uh, a talking bird, uh, and we've got a mud golem. Um, all creepy things. So they <laughs> they all they all play together. Um, <laughs> they so, don't play uh, well together. <laughs> what, okay. So what was your favorite part about writing this um, uh, the prologue? We'll talk about the excerpt we recorded as opposed to going any further deeper in because it's it's crazy, and I really want you guys to read this for yourself because <laughs> wow. Okay. So what was your favorite part about writing uh, the prologue? This. The the, fu- the most fun for me is that I'm generally a nice, mm-hmm. optimistic, positive person, mm-hmm. and I get to be royally cranky and say exactly what's on my mind when I'm feeling in a particular mm-hmm. grumpy mood, and I get to put it into a physical form. Mm-hmm. Daryl, you know what they say about quiet people. Mm. Anyway, yeah, uh, we, we 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 enjoyed. I enjoyed writing it because we got to write about the villain, mm-hmm. uh, and we got to start off with that. So uh, he is uh, he takes the opening shot, and it's fun because we don't have we can we can. As you said once, mm-hmm. I remember when we were talking privately that we get to color outside of the lines on this. Yeah, so. and you said on the back of the book, uh, uh, quote, as the only one who can prevent the evil prince from turning against his two brothers and seizing the crown to wake of their father's, in the wake of their father's death. So, and I, I read that part to say this. This is a, a, a point in which we see at the beginning of the book how dastardly the means that this evil prince is willing to go to to get what's owed to him. Yeah, some people really feel that they're 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 owed. We've got people in our real life who are like that. You know, politicians and you know, foreign dignitaries, other people like that who think things are theirs and they want to come get them because they think they're owed. So that's kind of reflected in the, in this story too. Somebody thinks he's owed. All too uh, unfortunately, you got people who feel that way. They they think things are owed to them, and that they don't have to work for anything. They it's just take what they, they, they entitlement. They take what they want. So, and, and the prince has a particular drive driving him as to why he is so entitled. Mm, yes, um, and uh, we. We know that Nicholas, according to the back of the book, gets to explore his connection to what we talked about in the previous episodes, the Orphic Forest and these magical creatures and uh, these powers that come to him. Um, but it shows us in the beginning that um, this prince uh, has some powers of his own mm-hmm. uh, that our characters are going to have to contend with. You know, I think if you remember in the prologue, it's it's stolen or purchased power. Right. Kahita put a lot down on this to get this. Again, you know, he, proving you know, the point. Right. He's willing to go mm-hmm. 
the length. Okay. Um, and you talked about starting uh, your books, you know, starting with a bang and then getting mm-hmm. started. And this story, you picked it up really in the middle of the action. And I think that's what I love about the scene is that you're seeing this this prince and for you know he's praying and you're thinking maybe you know this is a good guy and you're reading further into just these excerpts that we we heard that okay this is not a good guy you know what sometimes people pray up and sometimes other people pray down so i think i think that's that's basically what he's doing so he's got a powerful ring Mm-hmm. As read the, 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 the fire firestone ring, the trollish ring, and he he purchased that, and but he's taking that power uh, and and perverting it and using it in uh, the way that the trolls had never never intended. The trolls are not bad beings; mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot of power. They have access to a lot of power. He knew that, and he bought what he could or stole what he could. Yeah, what I think interesting, Sandy, is you you and Daryl, you wrote a lot of characters in this story who really aren't necessarily good or bad, um, but a lot of these characters go and just follow their nature. True. Right? And, and, and is, is that something that you set out with initially? It's like, I'm just going to write these characters as just things that live in this world and do what they do? Yes. Okay. They were to be everyday beings, just like everyone you talk to during the day, right. who are doing what they do because they have to do it, and they know they got to do it, not necessarily want to do it. Well, the, the, yeah, these these people and creatures just want to live right. their life, and so they go about their daily uh, chores and their their daily things that they do, and they just some of them have a little a right. lot and more we, power than 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 a human right. being. Right, and we also find that some of these, um, you know, regular oddlings, you know, are also I mean, they have their own allegiances, not only yes, just not only to their clans, but to people who may be able to benefit them or. Or, or you know, you know, just like anybody else might have allegiances, um, and I think it's interesting to see that interaction between you know our humanoid characters and our magical characters, and really, because you also have characters who you would think might be evil just based off of judging a book by its cover, and might not necessarily be, and vice versa. Yeah. So I think exactly. you guys really took a really good approach at developing these characters and and pushing them, you know through the story and journeying with mm-hmm. or being sort of these contagonists, these characters that get in the way of the goals uh, of our main uh, group. I wanted well, it to be a little bit hard to anticipate mm-hmm. what they were going to mm-hmm. do. I wanted you to say, well, <laughs> if I was this person or this being, I would do this and then they'd go ahead and do something exactly the opposite or they'd go laterally. You know, there there have been philosophers and there have been researchers in our world who think that human beings are basically good. And that's probably true, I said. But there are always those exceptions, and those exceptions give the rest of us hell. And so um, I think we can see that in our, our daily news today. But I, I think even in this world, there I think the characters are basically good and moral and uh, they they need to have that uh, type of uh, 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 belief, and they have to have that type of uh, uh, behavior so that the society 
can exist. Right. You know, you can't have a society that's so evil that it tears itself apart. But you've always got those individuals who are ready to tear you apart to get what they want. Right. A lot of avarice and greed. And we've talked about um, writing techniques before with you guys. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about writing techniques and philosophies and this and such as we move forward. Uh, and I'd like to kind of step into that range for a quick second and ask you about uh, anonymity. We talk about characters and we introduce characters, but sometimes we don't necessarily introduce who they are or what their motivations are. And so how do you determine when you're writing a story um, when anonymity is important, when the unknown is a key factor in writing a well, you know, story? Is, is, it a, is it a draw or a determinant by mm-hmm. the story itself? Exactly. I was going to say the th- same okay. thing. You know, it's it's it serves the needs of the story right. to re- to reveal uh, and to get rid of uh, any anonymity. Uh, and I, when the story says we need to know who this is, then eventually it's going to happen. So your mantra for writing really is: Does it serve the story? It has to serve the it story. Yes, otherwise mm-hmm. the story doesn't work. You almost, okay. you know, you almost become. Uh, you know, beholden to the story itself, and mm-hmm. that you know it it sort of lets you write what it wants you, what it you know allows you to write. You know, it, stories just like life unfold, mm-hmm. and when things happen, you don't know who did this, who sent this letter, who said that, who did this or the other. In the same way, in the story too, if you knew all of that, then you could avoid a lot of issues. And I suppose this would be heaven. I said, but we can't know, and we don't know, so. Stories evolve, just like human life evolves. So let me let me spitball a question to you and, and see, because I'd like to see your thoughts on this. Um, you have a story that you're writing, and it's got you know these beings who acquire these magical items to um, fulfill some objective in the story. When you have these characters that have all this power um why why can your story continue forward what is it that allows our right when you're our writers and our readers are writing a story and they're writing characters and they're writing objectives um it's kind of like okay if i have all this power why don't i just like you know, headshot the guy and move on. Well, you know what? So your characters have to have some kind of philosophy and some kind of morals about things. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, you know, we could have stopped, we could have ended the story after the first page if we wanted to do right, that. Right. You know, and in in real life, that's not the way things do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to, if you've got special abilities, you have to parse it out at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it draws the story out. You don't have a story if you're going to end it soon right. as soon as it begins. And, and, and anyway, life doesn't work that right. way. And I suppose in the same sense, I mean, let's say you have this Christ figure, right? You have this, like, demigod or what have you who's got all this power. You could uh, essentially snap someone out of existence. But perhaps, uh, as you're saying, that's, you know, you have morals. You, have, you know, there, there are reasons behind why you don't do something. You know, it's 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 just like uh, you know, in in the stories of uh, uh, of Jesus, he was the son of God, mm-hmm. and being the son of God, you could probably take care of Pilate and Herod and all those other people right away. Right, right. But that's not the way the story went. It right. it, it necessarily had to follow the path that it did, you know, to achieve some goal, and so uh, you have to have some limits 
you know, on right. uh, on the parsing out of of, of power and how things right. and work. And this is this is not a philosophy. This is not a this is not a uh, a, a podcast on de- you know no, denominations and this and that. No, not at all. Not but, at all. But uh, in the prologue, we see uh, the prince is pr- praying, and as you say, you pray up or pray down. So. Uh, spirituality, <laughs> uh, Lord, please don't be praying. So, spirituality uh, seems to be uh, a big theme in your characters, uh, in your stories. That everything uh, has some sort of um, side of respect, or you know, good manners, this and that. But uh, is that intentional, or is the, is that just a way of the, you know, defining characters? Uh, for your stories, uh, I, Sandy, or I, I think it's intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I know it's intentional, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's been a, a question that human beings, for instance, have grappled mm-hmm. with for for centuries. Even back in the mm-hmm. 14th century, they were uh, they were writing books, for instance, mm-hmm. on how to be a gentleman and, right. and how to use manners and and all of these other things. Some of the stuff that carried over even to this century, you know, that was very important. And I think it's always been important. Uh, it's just, just to be able to codify, you know, right. what it is to be a, a good of good character. You know, as I've said before, uh, many of our readers are writers, but not all of our writers are readers. Did I say that before? I don't think I said that before. But um, <laughs> I did say before that uh, many of our listeners uh, are writers, um, uh, but not all of our uh, writers. Are you know what? I'm just confusing myself. I think you're confusing. Uh, how, how about this? Uh, uh, <laughs> I have a good brain. I promise. I've got good words. I've got a good brain. Um, you got good words. <laughs> it's it's absolutely. Um, so um, when our our readers who decide to be writers are writing characters, not all readers story, are writers. Not all readers are writers. That, that's what you want. But to say. all okay. writers can be readers. Yeah. Um, uh, when they're creating this element of spirituality, how do you do that without, you know, um, saying, oh, this person's absolutely this or they're absolutely that not That's denomination? Simple, how actually. do you how do you craft that without sort of stepping on toes, for lack of a better term? It's a sim- it's actually simple. Every thought. Every action mm-hmm. has consequences. Mm-hmm. You have to weigh the consequences. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a benefit or a harm? Right. You know, or a hindrance. That's that's what good people do. Right. You know, they right. they, they weigh the consequences. Uh, bad people don't care about consequences. Right. You know, so maybe we should keep an eye on our prince here yeah. and keep an eye on his. Uh, you know, it's 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 it's, it's like you can outlaw something that you think is dangerous. Right. And and uh, and the ordinary public uh, will be restricted, but the criminal goes, "Oh yeah, man, I can't do that because of the law." Oh wait a minute, I'm a criminal. I can do that. <laughs> oh wait, I'm a criminal. That's right. See, see criminals are not going to follow the law. So, <laughs> but um, okay, we've heard we heard the prologue at the beginning of the story, uh, at the beginning of the podcast. Readers, I want you to hear something else that sounds quite amazing. Do you hear that? Those are the crisp, beautiful pages 
of the hardback copy of How Nicholas Became Santa Claus. And this book, while it it, it, it looks like it's a wait, it's a breeze to read through once you get into it because you forget your reading. And if you'd like to pick up a copy, you can visit troopbooks.com where we have links to buy them uh, from uh, the publisher at Ewing's Publishing House. You can also listen to this podcast and previous episodes also linked on the podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm going to get to reading and see uh, what else I can pick up for next episode. And Daryl and Sandy, if there's anything else you'd like our readers to check out, uh, please. Oh, you know what? I have an idea. If you guys are listening and you have any questions for our authors or any comments you might like to uh, add, head over to the website. Put in a comment. If you'd like to remain anonymous, let us know. We'd love to respond to it. Absolutely. Um, and we will try to get your questions answered uh, as quickly as we can. Um, Daryl, right. Sandy? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Good reading out there, okay? Yes, good reading. <laughs> and, and remember, if you want to write, you should read. Absolutely. And as always, I'd like to thank Alexander Nakarada for our super epic intro. And I'll talk to you all next time on Conversations with the Authors. Music